Would you put up, uh, be ready to put up Genesis, excuse me, Isaiah chapter 49, and we're going to read 14 through 16 in a moment. I'll tell you when to put it up. You ready? Isaiah, 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 chapter 49, verse 14 through 16. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is my one desire this day is to honor our mothers, our ladies, um, your children today in everything. And at the same time, we will honor you and praise you and thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. And that is my desire to honor the ladies today. And you've heard me say this before, that uh, I believe, uh, as do as I believe for the gentlemen in our church, I also believe for the ladies that uh, on Mother's Day and Father's Day, that every mother, every lady, every woman has a mother in her. That all, there's a verse of scripture says, uh, the whole family in heaven and earth is named after the family in heaven. Literal translation, I think, is all fatherhood in heaven and earth. But I also see that in scripture, that God has a mother. Now, there is no male or female in heaven. It's, it's right. So we're talking about relationally, that God is our father in heaven. He is also our mother. He is all father, all mother. Uh, there are many references in the Bible about uh, God in the feminine. For example, Jesus saying, I would, O Jerusalem, as a mother hen, would bring you into myself and uh, hover over you. There are references in the Bible uh, about wisdom being a she Love being a she in the feminine. And uh, I believe it's like this. God made Adam in his own likeness and his own image. And all the things that God made, he said, it is good, it is good, it is good. Until he got to Adam and then he says, it's not good. (laughs) He says, it's not good that man should be alone. And so he put Adam to sleep and he opened up his side and he took out a rib. Some say it was a rib to be next to his heart, not a bone out of his foot so he could walk on him, walk on woman, but a rib out of his heart so that he could love her next to his heart. And he took, God opened up Adam and he took out his bride, which was Eve, the mother of all life. And so before, if you, if you just carry that, and I believe in those little, and I think I'm preaching to the choir here, but I believe that there was a literal Adam, a literal Eve, and that was the beginning of humanity on earth. And uh, for those of you, I don't even want to get into uh, uh, the subject, but let's just go on. It says, That when God made Adam in his own likeness and his own image, 
and he put him to sleep and he took out the Eve out of him. Do you understand that no longer God, the Adam at this point, reflected the image of God? He was only half the image of God. The other half was the woman, Eve. And that the two of them together, that's why it says, then the two become one when they get married. The two of them together is a total reflection of God. So God, Eve was half a reflection of God. Adam was half a reflection of God. And so God is all man, all woman, except there is no male or female in heaven. In relationship, in uh, his expression of love and caring for us. And so we're going to look at this a uh, couple of other ways. But God is all mother and all father. And for whatever reason, he chose in his word to be uh, re- uh, related to as father in the dominant sense. Because it says, our father who art in heaven. And so let's look at this and we'll see another way in uh, Isaiah. Isaiah, he starts out the chapter by saying to the children, when it says Zion here, he starts off the chapter by talking to Zion. Zion is Israel. But they're in captivity. And they refer to themselves as Zionist because that's where the... That's where uh, the, the tabernacle was built. That's where uh, Abraham was going to offer up uh, uh, Isaac. But anyway, it says that in, in the, in the, this is called one of the servant songs in Isaiah. There were seven songs of calling the Messiah as a servant. And so it says in this that uh, God says to them, I'm going to set you free from captivity because they were at that time in captivity. He says, I'm going to set you free. And he says, and not only that, but I'm going to use you to reach the entire world with my love. And he says, and not only that, but I'm ultimately going to save the whole, uh, all, all of the world's going to rejoice because of you and because of uh, what I do through you. And then it says, but Zion said, the Lord hath forsaken me, and my, my Lord hath forgotten me. So this is their response. He says, I'm going to set you free. He says, well, that doesn't do me any good now. You know, I'm going to do it. You know, I, he says, I'm going to set you free, and I'm going to use you to, to reach the rest of the world. And then ultimately, all, all creation because of you is going to praise and worship me. He says, but Zion said, the Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. Next verse, please. Can a woman forget her suckling child? Uh, Some translations say nursing child. Can a woman forget her nursing child? God is referring to himself in relationship, okay? That like a woman with a nursing child. He says that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb. They may forget, yet I will not forget. And we know that uh, inside when a woman has a baby and she is uh, nursing the baby, 
there is something that happens in, in chemistry inside of the woman that releases these endorphins and these things that are inside the woman that causes her to love this baby with all of her heart and would die in an instance for this child. And it, now, because we are humans and because we mess up, sometimes women aren't like that. There are women that forsake their babies. But the most, in most cases, there's something inside of a woman that wants to protect this child. And even though in the natural, there is nothing whatsoever that this child does for her in the natural, you understand, except this chemistry, is this child is totally 100 dependent on the mother. And yet, this mother loves this child with everything that is in her. And God is referring to himself in this manner. And he not only refers to himself like a mother, he says, I am a perfect mother. He says that also about fathers when he says, you know, if, you're, if your son asks you for a loaf of bread, would you give him a, a stone? If he asks you for a, 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 you know, a drink, would you give him, you know, poison? He says, uh, if you, which are evil, in comparison to me, this is God speaking, know how to do things for your children. How much more shall your heavenly father give to them that ask him? Um, Pentecost Sunday's coming up, and I'll just remind you that in Luke, when it, re- when it refers to this particular uh, sentence, uh, he says, if you which are evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to you? So that's, it, it doesn't say give good gifts. It says give the Holy Spirit. So that's just a reminder for Pentecost Sunday. And so he says this, Can a woman forget her nursing baby that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, but I will not forget. In other words, I'm going to be the mother that does that one of those mothers that just loves you with all my heart, even though as a baby you can do nothing for me. I want to love you. And so he refers to himself in the feminine. If you're not convinced by that, next verse. Behold, I have graven you upon the palms of my hand. You've heard me make reference to this before. I just wanted to show you the verse. He says, I've been, and, and that literally means to take like an awe and engrave us. He says, I've engraven your name. And I believe that that's every person in this room. He, God has engraven his name on your palms, which is also a, a reference to Jesus having us engraved on his palms at the cross. And he says, I've engraved you on my hands. And I, I told you I thought of this at one time because other, in other places in Isaiah, it says God measures the heavens with the span of his hand. And just think that our names are written on his palms. And if you were to take God's palm and look at it, you would see your name because God is a God of everybody, but he's also a God of every individual. And so you would see his palm. And just think your name is spread over the heavens with his palms. That's pretty, uh, 
uh, humbling, I would think. It says, uh, the palms of your hand. Then it says, thy walls are continually before me. And uh, I thought, (laughs) I honestly, I knew this verse, and I kind of like, I I could guess what it means. But in preparation for this day, I studied this, and I looked up, I have a wonderful tablet, has an amazing tablet. that thingy kebab they put in your book so you can use it. What do they call it? An app? Apt? Apt? Application? That's what it stands for. App? Application? Well, I have an app in here that just lets me just about do anything with, with the scriptures. And I can look up uh, that this scripture. And I'm going to tell you what enlightenment I have from this. Because I can look up this scripture and I can read like 40 different translations. And so I can see what other translations says, thy walls are continually before me. And I said, because well, I don't get it, you know. I'm going to just be honest with you. At first time I said, I don't get it. And so I, I read it. And do you know what the other translations use, says there? Thy walls are continually before me. I'm like, boy. Do you feel as enlightened as I was? I'm like, <laughs> well, that just helps a lot. And I'm looking up, I'm talking about 15, at least 15 translations. They all say the same thing. I'm like, well, that helps a lot. So anyway, I said, well, I also have a little something on here that I can go into the Greek and the Hebrew just by pushing my little little, uh, what you call it here. I found out, I did not know the name of this until two, two or three days ago. Oh, I thought you said silent. Never mind. No, Silas. I'm like, Silas? Stylus. Oh, that's right. My, uh, my wife has a, one of those smartphones, you know. I'm not smart enough to know what a smartphone. Uh, my uh, technology just goes to microwave popcorn. It's about as far as it goes. And my wife says, uh, on her keys, you know, on a smartphone, they're really tiny little things. And she said, that's what she said. She says, I don't have a stylus. I'm like, what do you do? Poke it with a comb that has pointed in? Stylus, you know where they take that pointed in and they stick it in your hair. And I thought it was funny. I don't know. Yeah, that's all that matters. Woe is me. That was uh, what's the name of Isaiah's horse? Is me. Um, that wasn't my joke. <laughs> But I said, no, she says, that little thing that you poke the computer with, that's what I'm talking about. And she, correct, she told me what the real word was. And so I thought, that's, you know, it has a little soft end here. And do you, you know what doesn't work on your computer? An eraser. And I'm not talking about erasing it. I'm talking about you can poke that thing all day long. They won't do a thing. So I got this. And I got a slew of things I can poke. And one of the things that I can poke is the, the you know, the, for the whole 
verse, this whole verse, it gives me all the, the definitions. And so I thought, oh, now I will learn something. So I went to this verse and I push uh, the enter, whatever it is, concordance, and pushed it. And it puts it up there. And I went down and poked uh, the, the, the Strong's concordance number for wall, walls. Thy walls are continually before me. And some of the references is that it's walls. <laughs> That's what it means. Now are you enlightened? Furthermore, though, it talks about its, it believes that the possible reference is re- referring to the walls around Jerusalem. And if you know, if you ever read Nehemiah, you know that Nehemiah was released to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. And so it referred to the, the, the protection that was around Jerusalem. And so they believe that that's what God means here when he says, your walls are continually before me. Which is, what's really interested in is in language, you know, you have uh, a lot of nouns that have uh, a feminine or feminine or a uh, masculine. This one, this word for walls is feminine, you know. So it was referring to, and what it basically thinks it is, it's talking about God again in the fem- as a protector, a mother is a protector. You see, the walls around Jerusalem were a figure of a mother's protection over Jerusalem, which is why Jesus says, as a mother hen who would protect her chicklets. So you see, there's another feminine, feminine thing. Okay, one little point about uh, Genesis, the first chapter, or the third chapter, well, Genesis, the first one through three, where it says to God, God says to man, it is not good that you should be alone. He opened up his side, took out his bride, and Jesus is referred to us as the last Adam. And he says, and he's also referred to as the second Adam. And he says, as the last Adam, Jesus was put to sleep on the cross and the spear pierced his side and blood and water rushed out. And there was the washing of the water by the word and the blood and his bride was created, which also shows that you men out there are called a bride. And Jesus is called our husband, but it is not feminine or masculine. It is in relationship. It's talking about, and God uses that to relate how much love he has for his children. So he uses all these, which are actually metaphors of what God is to us. Everybody say amen. amen. Yeah, convinced you. Huh? Well, that's good. I was talking about presenting your body as a living sacrifice, and I was talking about how Jesus presented his body, and you read it in Matthew 21 and 22 when he goes into the temple, and he is... Can, uh, approached by the, the various things. As a matter of fact, let's just read one of them real quick. Turn to Matthew 22, verse 35 through 46. And I made reference to this, and I, and I got a good reason 
which I'm going to go to in a minute. Matthew 22, verse 35 and 46. And he is approached by, from several different angles, from the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the priests. Uh, all of these leaders are coming at him in the temple, and they're asking him questions, and they're like, by what authority do you do this? And, you know, how can you do that? And, and they're, they're trying to find fault in him. And that was a fulfillment of how the lamb was going to be examined before it was slaughtered. And so he was under examination. And then it says, and this is one of my favorites, this is getting to the end of it. And there are several uh, uh, points where he is giving, he's showing us that God is uh, what God's purpose, one Many of his purpose, that purposes that Jesus was died for. And so he says, and finally, they send a lawyer to him, you know. And they send a, he's a, a, Pharisee, a Pharisee lawyer. And he says, and then one of them, uh, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying. And saying. No, it wasn't O. <laughs> Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first time Jesus has said that. But, and he said, well, all thy heart's body, body, soul, and spirit, and different things. And he says, this is the great commandment. And the second is like unto to it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And he says, uh, what is that? 400 in these two commandments? Four. It's for these two commandments. <laughs> Don't you just love com- computers? For these two commandments <laughs> hang all the law <laughs> and the prophets. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them. So he turns around and he talks to this lawyer and he's talking to the Pharisees. And he says, while they were still there, he says, I have a question for you. He says, what think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? They say unto him, the son of David. He saith unto them, how then doth David in spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstools. Footstool, that's it. Okay? That's all. Clear it. All right. So he says that. Why is that so significant? Well, he's quoting, uh, and and he says, well, I I, I guess I should have read the next verse. And he says, and they had no more questions of him anymore. You know, it's like, let's leave this guy alone. So he reveals to us that he is dying so that we, through him, can love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. And then he says, I have a question for you. How is it, he says, who is the Christ in reference in scripture? He's the son of David. Or who is the Messiah? He's the son of David. He says, well, if he's the son of David, how is it that in Psalm 110 verse 1, he calls he didn't say Psalm 110 verse 1, but it's in Psalm 110 verse 1. He says, he calls him Lord. How is it that thy Lord says to the, thy Lord, 
sit here at my right hand until I make. So it's a reference of Jesus sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. You find this also in other scriptures in the New Testament, in the epistles. You have in the, for example, in the book of Hebrews, the first chapter, in verse 12, it says, to which of the angels said he at any time, sit here at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. And if you read that whole chapter, you'll see that it is when Jesus is raised from the dead and he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God, he's talking to Jesus, sit here at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. And that's in reference to a number of things that God is doing and has done and will do. And so anyway, he's saying that about the Lord. Why am I bringing that up? Good question. Thank you that you asked this question. Let's go to Genesis, the third chapter, chapter of a the third chapter, verse 13. All right, now, for time's sake, I'm just going to say, God, uh, the, God told them, uh, you can eat of every fruit, but don't eat of that fruit, that tree over there. And he says, and I believe he actually told them, as the woman said, don't even touch it. That's my belief, and I could tell you, but I'm talking about other things. And so, after they had eaten of the fruit, they go, he goes to the man and, you know, the man says, the woman that you gave to me, you know. And then he goes to the woman and says, what is it that you've done? He says, the devil made me do it. And so and then he goes to the devil and it says, and the Lord said unto the woman, what is it that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. And then it says this, and the Lord said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon the belly thou shalt go and the dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. That is a reference. Do you know who the dust is? Pardon me? Us. We're the dust. You know, that he's, he's pitted himself against humanity and the rest of his existence on earth he's going to be against humanity and so the dust shall he eat all the days of his life and he says and i and this is the first uh promise in the bible all the promises of god are in christ yes and in him amen, amen. all the first uh second corinthians 120 all the promises of god in christ are yes and amen and this is the very first promise in the Bible. I will put enmity, I will know where I'll make enemies out of you, between you and the woman, and between your seed, between your seed and her seed, and it shall bruise your head. So it's not just the seed, it's just figuratively the seed, but it's meaning his seed, her seed, Say her. Her seed shall bruise your head and, and uh, thou shalt bruise his heel. And whenever they talk about bruising heel, bruising hand, they're talking about stepping on the head. And it, this is the, uh, again, the reference in Psalm 110 verse 1 where it says, Sit here at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. Which means until you st- I cause you, your body, to step on his head. 
Right. There's, there's a great teaching from that, and I make reference to it once in a while, and I, I would love to share it all with you, but that's not what I'm going to talk about right now. I'm going to talk about where it says, a seed shall come from woman and crush your head, bruise his heel. Did you notice that it doesn't say a seed comes from man? And that is extremely significant because a seed does not come from man. The seed comes from woman. Why? Well, because this is a reference to Jesus Christ. I, I'm not trying to boast about anything here, maybe a little bit. But when I got saved, uh, or should I say, rededicated my life to the Lord, in, uh, when, when he came into my life again and saved me again, uh, in 1971, I just began to read the Bible. And I read that. And the first thing I did when I read that, I said, that's Jesus. That's Jesus stepping on Satan's head. That's the seed that comes from woman. But not from man. Now, why is that? Because the seed was woman's seed. But it was also not man's, but it was God's. You see, the seed that came from woman, which was a son that this was referring to, that's going to crush your head, was a reference to the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, who was all man, because woman was part of humanity, part of man, and was all God. Which is also, if you notice, and here's something else. When the devil tricked Eve into eating the food and he beguiled, she said he beguiled him. And it says so. Paul agrees with this. And first, if you read first Timothy two, uh, twelve, it says this, that the, the woman was deceived, but the man wasn't. And I just want to say this. I'm not. I don't want to put you guys down too much, but if I have, I was having to deal with somebody, I would rather have somebody on my side that may have been deceived, but not rebellious. You see, woman was deceived, but the man was rebellious. And you know, here's here's another interesting point. It says later, it says she ate and then did give to her husband and he did eat and then their eyes were open and they saw that they were naked do you know what that means the transgression did not take place until he ate it and why it was his job in the first place to keep the garden and it was his job to protect his wife and it was his job that when that serpent came over and started talking to her, he should have grabbed him by the throat and said, hey, hey, hey you're not talking to her. You've got to talk to me. And he says, I'm about to step on your head. Okay. You, you understand this? And so I'd rather deal with somebody that's deceived than somebody that's rebellious. Just saying, just saying. All right. But their eyes weren't open until after he ate. It wasn't, the sin was not completed. God said sin came into the world by one man, Adam. It didn't say it came in by Eve. 
He came in and by one man, Adam. Hello? So I'm just pointing out, ladies, that God has honored you in a way that he has not honored us. And that is by your lives as women were destined to give birth to the Son of God. Isn't that, you know, you know when Mary, you know, I, we used to change the words to this song, even though the, the truth is the song didn't say what we changed the word to. But, it, but Mary in the Magnificat, the Magnificat is what Mary says when she finds out uh, she actually, I believe at the time, and I, I didn't research this, but I think he's, she's telling her, her uh, cousin Elizabeth about it. And he says, uh, the Lord has, well, how's that song go? Uh, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit exalts in God my Savior, for he has looked with mercy on my lowliness. And then we would sing in the song, And his name shall be forever exalted. Did you catch that? That's not what it says. That's right. It doesn't say, And his name shall be forever exalted. It says, she says, My name, My name shall be forever exalted. Hello? And she was a representation of women. And it was women that gave birth to Jesus. And that is why he could be without sin. Because he was not born of man. Hello? Ladies, my, my desire for you, to, for you is to see, for God to honor you. You know, to be honored. Hello? So I just want you to know that uh, the God had bestowed an honor upon you which he did not bestow upon the man. And uh, I have a song that I can want to sing to you, if you don't mind. Uh, then we're going to pray for you. I've sung this the last couple of uh, Mother's Days. And uh, I just want to say a little bit about it before I sing it. Um, I did. I didn't have a pad the last Mother's Day, so I did a little research. And uh, this is not per se a religious song, as far as religious songs go. Although I am fairly sure by my investigation that the guy who wrote it and sang it was a believer and a Christian. Uh, there were a number of things about him that was pretty uh, incredible. Um, he, he, one of his, was, his name was Gene McDaniels. And Gene McDaniels, and that was his given name as well as his, his professional name. He kept his name. Gene McDaniels. Gene means new birth. Just, just my own throw, I'll throw that in there. New birth. Mac means... Uh, uh, like unto, and Daniel's mean, uh, my judge is God. So he says, new birth, like unto, my judge is God. Just saying. 
he was uh, he wrote this song and sang this song uh, only twice under with being videoed. He, you know, of course, he he performed it many other times, but he only performed it twice when he was being videoed. Once when he wrote it and sung and he sung it, it was came to number three on the charts in pop music and rock music. And that was in 1961. I was 14 years old at the time. And, uh, and he only sang it one other, he only had it videoed one other time. And that's when he was being accompanied by a friend. And he sang it to, uh, oh, there's about 30 women sitting in a circle there. And he sang it to honor the women. Uh, he must have been over 80 when he sang it the second time because that was in 2010. The first time and only once was on, uh, I believe, the Dick Clark uh, American Bandstand. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) So, it is to honor you ladies and remember, I believe, that every lady has a mother in her. But particularly the mothers, please be uh, that have children, please be honored today. Amen? Can, will you do that for me? Well, I want to do it for you. I am no Gene McDaniels. It's like I said, I can carry a tune. I can't carry it very far, but I can carry a tune. And so, but this is from my heart. And I have to sing at Acapulco because I'm not uh, good at following music, you know. I've tried to do that before. And it goes like this. He took a hundred pounds of clay. And then he said, hey, listen, I'm going to fix this world today. Because I know what's missing. And then he rolled his big sleeves up. And a brand new world began. He created a woman and a Lots of loving for a man. Yes, he did. With just a hundred pounds of clay. He made my life worth living. And I will thank him every day. For all the love she's given. And I will thank him every night. For the arms that hold me so tight. He created a woman and lots of loving for a man. Well, can't you see him walking round and round, picking clay up off the ground, doing just what he could do to make a living dream come true. Well, he rolled his big sleeves up And a brand new world began. He created a woman and lots of loving for a man. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Be honored, please. Well, thank you. Thank you. Now we're going to pray over our moms and the ladies here as well, but particularly those that do have children. Boy, you need an extra dose of God because you've got the hardest job in the world. All right, holding everything together and 
just being the love and Heavenly Father, as we come into your presence by your precious blood, as we come in with praise and worship and thanksgiving on our hearts, as we come into your presence because we have a high priest that is touched with the feelings of our weaknesses and our infirmities. And Lord, because we have this high priest, we can come in boldly by his precious name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we stand before your presence now. We bow our knee unto our Lord and Savior. You said whoever would confess him to be Lord and whoever would believe that you, Heavenly Father, have raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. So we bow our knee before you, Heavenly Father, and confess that Jesus Christ is our Lord. Jesus is our Messiah. That Jesus is our Savior. And so we thank you, Lord, for saving us. We thank you for washing us, Lord Jesus, in your precious blood. So that our garments that were red like crimson have been washed and now is white as snow. So we can stand before you in the, in the proper royal apparel. And we worship you and we thank you, Lord. And we come in here and we go to you, Heavenly Father. And we say, Lord, can we just touch your hands that have our names engraved in, in your hands? And can we touch your hands? Can we touch your hands, Lord Jesus, where the holes are? Can we touch your side where there's the blood that has come out to make, to make your bride? Lord, Heavenly Father, may we come out of heaven so that we can touch our moms and those that are mothers here today with the hands that have touched your hands. And may you breathe on them and breathe the Holy Spirit into them. Breathe upon them, Lord. And may your word permeate them and wash them. And may we wash their feet today with our tears and, 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 and love them, Lord. And serve them because you came, Heavenly Father, to serve us. You came, Jesus, to serve us. May we serve them as uh, good husbands and good fathers. And Lord, we thank you for our mother. Thank you for our father. Mine has passed away. Some are gone. And Lord, they had a hard task. And they made mistakes. Some of them pretty big. And, uh, but we forgive them, Lord. We forgive them. And Lord, uh, we've made mistakes. And I pray that uh, you forgive me, Lord, and you forgive uh, us as we have made mistakes with our children. And Lord, what we would be, that, that the mothers here would be good mothers, that they would love their children just like you, Heavenly Father, who embraced the baby, as, as a, uh, that you would nurse the baby and you would love the child even though they don't give anything in return that we may love our children 
without any expectation of them giving any return that we would just lay our lives down in Jesus' name for our children. So we thank you again for our mothers. In Jesus' name, bless them, Lord. Bless them. Bless them. We give you thanks for them. And we give you praise over them. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name.